Happy Easter. I'm so glad you're here. Man, we have had a wonderful group of people all morning long, some last night, and uh, they spread out pretty good in all the services, so I think we're able to get that done. I'm grateful. Uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'll share with you what I've been thinking about. So, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for these beautiful people and this high honor of having this discussion with them today. Lord, our prayer is the same prayer we pray every time we gather. We want to be more like you. And for some of us, that's a big overhaul that has to happen. And we know it, even as we sit in a a room like this. For some of us, it's a tweak. We've just let an attitude creep in or judgmental spirit or maybe uh, find ourselves compromising in the area of our lives. And, And that part, we need to turn over to you. So I pray as we prepare for what's ahead and then make our plans to separate, that you would help us identify clearly. That's the spot. That's the part of you I want to make more like me. In order for that to happen, Lord, we need to hear from you, not from a person. So hide me deep in your cross. May we be impressed, amazed, and in awe of who you are when we, when we end this day in your name. Amen. Okay, any college basketball fans in the room? Three of us. Thank you all so much. So anybody see the game last night? You just kind of see. So I can see for all the rest of you, what were you doing last night? So let me explain to you what happened because what you missed was, I think, probably one of the greatest finishes to a college basketball game in history. I'm going to say it that strong, in history. Now, granted, two teams were playing that nobody cares about. So UCLA is number 11, Gonzaga, wherever the heck that is, they're, they're ranked number one. Gonzaga's 30 and zero, uh, UCLA is, is not. So they're playing together, and uh, they go all the way through regulation. At the end of regulation, they're tied. So now we end up in overtime. Overtime, five minutes of competitive basketball play. We get to the last three seconds, guess what? Tied, still tied. There's like three seconds left in the game. Gonzaga has the ball. They're underneath their own court. The ball is underneath their own basket. They pass to Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs gets just over the half court line and launches one as the buzzer goes. Bank in, three-point shot. They win the game. It was spectacular. You should watch it because I can see you're not impressed. You should watch it because it was simply amazing. Tom, why are we starting Easter talking about basketball? <laughs> Give me a minute. Uh, y'all remember where we were last year? You remember what we were going through last year? There was no March Madness. We canceled it. You remember? Canceled the Masters too. Y'all remember that? None of this. Uh, they shut down restaurants. We had to shut down uh, not just restaurants, schools. And we invented online learning, which is hilarious. I love that the kids learned how to cheat the system right away. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's like, where did you learn that, children? Well, you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Ghosting. <laughs> and we had to shut down churches. So last year, we were all at home. Not only were we all at home, but we were also in an emotional place that was difficult, weren't we? Think about this, where we've been in the past year, because I like looking ahead, but I think this particular year is important for us to sort of look back to see what we, what we learned, because last year at this time, we were all celebrating Easter in our homes, and we anxiously watched our news cycles or social media to try to discern how long this was going to go on and whether or not this was going to be our new normal and, and if we would ever get through it. Do you remember? 
Some of us were saying, oh, it's no big deal. It'll pass in a short period of time. Others of us understood this changed the world. Wherever you landed on that spectrum, it was a strange time. At this time last year, our present and our future was unknown and uncertain. And what we have learned is this, if you agree, unknown and uncertain always leads to fear and panic. And fear and panic leads to anger and accusation. Have I just described 2020? Because that's what we've all experienced as a culture. That's what we saw. We saw the impact of the unknown and uncertain intentions across our country, around the world, and even in our little blessed community. Deep division, deep emotion, deep freak out. Let me give you some examples. Suddenly... The use of or the failure to use a mask resulted in complete strangers wanting to throw down with you in a parking lot. Do you remember? How about this? Do you remember last year sneezing in public by mistake? And everyone gave you stink eye? You're like, it's it's allergies. There's yellow stuff in the air. It's allergies is what it is. You didn't want to sneeze. You ran into the bathroom to sneeze. How about this? (laughs) You remember when it used to be okay to talk about politics and family? (laughs) Anybody else go to family gatherings now and avoid it at all costs because you know, again, someone's going to throw down? Have you watched social media become even more damaging as the society as we became grumpier? Two words. Toilet paper. (laughs) Do you remember? What are we going to do? I've stockpiled some bark, hun. It's in the garage. And anybody, like, I'm, you all know, I'm like a professional Christian. You go into the store, and if there's two family-packed bundles of toilet paper, you're on your own, buddy. I'm taking both those babies home, you know, just in case. There was no Christian when it came to toilet paper. We ordered a pallet of it here for the church, a pallet of toilet paper. Y'all weren't even coming here. We just ordered a pallet and had it stockpiled in here. And unfortunately, it was the commercial toilet paper. So it was like sandpaper. Well, you get the idea. It's not, it wasn't great toilet paper. How about this? Isolation. Isolation taught us we will do anything, anything to protect ourselves. But what it also taught us is this. Sometimes being alone with ourselves is just as threatening as a pandemic. Elections. Oh, I can't believe he's going there. Yes, he is. You know what we learned in this election? We want somebody to be responsible. We want to hold somebody accountable for whatever happens. And we're only going to buy into someone who says they can get us out of it. And our country remained divided. Unknown, uncertain, fear, and panic. Many of us have lived our lives by this for the past year, and our reactions were very telling about who we are as individuals and who we are as a society. And what intrigued me about the pandemic is is this, how there was virtually no distinction in behavior or reaction between people who do not believe in God and those who say they do. That was alarming to me. It sort of leads to this question. If there really is a God, and if he's anything like the Jesus we see in Scripture, if you allow me, if there's really a God and the Jesus that we say we actually follow, wouldn't it naturally flow that those who follow him would have a better way forward than fear and panic? 
And yet fear and panic were the commerce of the day. And we spent it and we bought it in our news outlets, our politics, and our social media. Fear and panic became our constant companions and we lived with it. In January of this year, I came down with this blessed virus. It was wonderful. I didn't get like the like Cliff Notes version that some of y'all had. Like, did you get the virus? Yeah, I couldn't smell for a day. Bless your heart. 14 days, you know, I was down for 14 days, right? But it wasn't a problem. I live with a doctor. So the doctor can help, help nurse me. But in her selfishness, she came down with the virus right after I did, the day after I came down. So there Lisa and I are stretched out, you know, at the end of the world kind of thing like that for us. And, and we had the real, real deal. It really took us out for a while. So while we're going through all that, we spent seven days of just trying to get together. By the eighth day, I still didn't feel like moving. I don't know if that was your experience, but some of us had that experience. By the eighth day, I still didn't feel like moving, but I was bored to death. So we were going to purchase a piece of property that was attached to our current property. So we called the lawyer, said, we'd like to purchase this, but <laughs> we got the Rona, so we can't come in. They said, oh, we'll do it virtual. Just send us your, your, send us your signature. We'll put it on everything we need to do. And so, that, so that's what we did. The property needed some repairs in the bathroom. So after about eight days, I called two of my friends who also came down with the virus at the same time I did. I said, hey, you guys bored yet? She said, yeah, we're bored to death. I said, I've got us a project, come on over. So we formed the COVID carpenters. It's really hard for us to get work, but we're really good. We're really good. The, the real funny thing that was going on is part of this process of rebuilding this bathroom was cutting open a sewer line, which we cut open a sewer line. And when it was happening, we looked at each other and said, you smell that? Nope, I don't smell a thing. It was awesome. It was great. It was a beautiful moment. We couldn't go to Lowe's, but it was still fun. Now, the reason I tell you that, that all of that sort of thing is this. Can I, can I just be honest with you? And, you know, some of us, have, we've known each other for a while. Some of you are new. Even in those moments when I'm laying in bed there and I'm feeling terrible and the headache and all that stuff that goes with it, there's a moment, a trace, if you will, of fear and panic. Like, oh, what's this going to mean? What will it mean for the future? Or could it be something significant for my life, for Lisa's life? And in those moments of that... I started to question things. So don't hear accusation in the way I'm starting this whole thing. I'm not seeking to heap guilt on anybody. All, all I'm saying is maybe we should look at our faith or maybe our lack of faith with honesty and clarity, and maybe we need to decide, do we believe these things or not? The ABCs of Christianity, do we believe God is good? Yes or no? Do we believe God loves us? Yes or no? Do we believe that God desires good for us and that he's with us? Yes or no? Because my concern is this. Maybe it wasn't just our bodies that were vulnerable to being infected. Maybe our souls got infected too, and we didn't know it. Because there's no mask for the soul. So I have this quote that's been banging around in my head for the last three or four weeks, and it's by G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton, British writer, said this. When a man stops believing in God, he doesn't then believe in nothing. He believes anything. Haven't you seen that in the last year? Come on, haven't you seen it in your life? What if that's what's happening to us? What if that not only happened to us in 2020, what if we're bringing that forward into 2021? 
What if our whole worldview changed because we stopped truly believing in the one thing we said we believed in? What if we were so full of panic and fear we found ourselves believing anything? What if the pandemic infected us, whatever our faith? Maybe the pandemic revealed something is missing in our beliefs. You know what else? Maybe the pandemic revealed even we don't believe our beliefs. You know what I've learned through this whole process? When life is easy, I really don't need a lot of faith, and I'm not sure I need a lot of God. I can do life pretty good by myself. Don't misunderstand me. God is good. I believe it. But what happens when life's goodness is stripped away, and we're now afraid of being sneezed on, or we're now afraid of touching an infected doorknob? What happens when we're sick? And we're wondering how serious it's going to be. What happens when we're sick and home and wondering if we're going to keep our jobs? What happens when we're afraid of being physically close to people? What happens when someone we love loses life? What is the value of faith in the face of a pandemic? Or is there any value to it? I, I think I'm learning that coming out of 2020 and into 2021, that faith matters more than ever. And when I say faith, I'm not talking about some belief in something that keeps me in a bubble or keeps the boogeyman away. I'm not speaking about that. When I say faith, I mean faith is absolute certainty in spite of my circumstances. Faith is absolute certainty. Jesus, who he says he is, he's going to do everything that he promised to do. Y'all understand we're not the first people to go through fear and panic, right? If you want to look at it in Scripture, you can check out uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith chapter. And then there's ordinary people. They're not Bible people. They're ordinary people like me, like you. And if you read that list of names, you'll see people who endured floods and persecutions and wars and pandemics and loss of jobs and even loss of life, men and women alike. And when these circumstances changed for these ordinary people, they didn't become famous for their fear and panic like I think might have hit the modern church. What they became famous for was actually their faith. It's not like when, a, when something hit in the fear and panic, they didn't start believing in anything that came across their TVs or social media. These women and men are in biblical history because they believed in the one thing. They believed in the, in the one who made them. They had faith. And just after the Hall of Faith chapter, there are these compelling words. After Hebrews 11, the Hebrews chapter 12 starts with this word, therefore. And let me explain that. Therefore means there's a cause and the effect will follow. The cause is, here's a mess of men and women who held on to their faith in times of fear and panic. You, are you with me? Here comes the effect, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, cause, here's the effect. Since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses or crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, since you and I can open our scriptures to Hebrews 11 and say, wow, Moses and Rahab and Abraham, I mean, write down the list. Why don't we strip off every weight that slows us down? Why don't we get rid of anything that's causing us to go into full freakout mode? Especially sin that so easily trips us up. And so let's run. Let's run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
How? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. In other words, don't give up the one to believe in just anything. Stay focused on the one. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Apparently, the key to not losing hope, the antidote for this fear and panic that respectfully is running in our lives, is somehow to fix our eyes on Jesus. In other words, don't believe in anything. Believe in the one. And this finally gets me to why we're gathered together in this moment. It has to do with the last words Jesus ever said before he died. While hanging on the cross, just before he died, Jesus was thirsty. They tried to give him something to drink. And then he said this, it is finished. Bowed his head, gave up his spirit. You know know what bothers me about that? That's not what I would have said. I think what I would have said, if I had just been through everything that we believe Jesus went through, I think what I would have said was, I'm finished. I got nothing left to give. No more gas in the tank. Beat to a pulp. Physically broken. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually dead. I'm giving up the ghost. Does that make sense to you? I'm broken. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, it is finished. What the heck is it? What do you mean? It is finished. Apparently, Jesus believed everything that needed to be done for us, come what may, illness, divorce, abuse, addiction, doubt, rebellion, everything was completed. Everything was prepared, and everything is in place. In place for what? A brand spanking new reality for anybody who will trust him. Don't miss this. This was game changer extraordinaire. What's the reality? It is finished. A new reality is here. What reality? Nothing will ever now be able to cut you off from God's love and God's presence in your life. From this point forward, no matter what comes, Jesus is saying, those who believe will never face it alone. You see that word finished? They actually have pieces of papyri from that same day as Jesus' life. And these pieces of papyri are are tax receipts. Wouldn't you think, out of 2,000 years, what survives is did you pay your taxes or not? That's, That's what survived. Guess what? Not a close second, but the exact same dadgum word is printed on those tax receipts that Jesus says right here. Verbatim. Because what it meant on the tax receipt was you're paid in full. You're paid in full. When Jesus said it is finished, He stated that his redemptive work is now finished. 
His life as a sacrifice has opened the door for all the good folks in the alive community and surrounding to be forgiven and accepted by God. Here's how Paul described this exact dynamic. God made Christ to never sin to be the offering for our sin. Why? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Do you understand that doesn't happen if Jesus doesn't say it is finished? This is an opportunity for you to choose, for me. But if you're like me, there's still a problem. And I have a gift of skepticism. And I don't believe or trust anybody. That's why I'm a pastor. (laughs) Was Jesus just another martyr with great words to say at the end of his life? Because that's not that unique. A lot of people say great things at the end of their lives. Plenty of people have died for what they believe, but how do we know what Jesus says is true? Well, that's kind of the big deal of Easter. Jesus is laid in this tomb, and this stone is rolled in front of it, and Roman soldiers are placed to guard the stone. Let me just let Scripture tell you how this whole thing. So early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, ordinary people, went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Pause, because I think this is funny. And hear me out, and I know I'm going to get an email, but just hear me out on this. Look at the angel. The angel comes up, and there's an earthquake, and then instead of like doing the, oh, he's like, whoop, there it is. He's sitting on a rock that he just moved away. I think that's amazing. This angel had attitude. So anyway, but that's probably me. So keep going. So his face shone like lightning, whooped. (laughs) Clothing was as white as snow. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, and he isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said he would. Come see where his body was lying. And now, whether you know it or not, friends, all of the world now has these two deals on the table, and you will choose one deal. Everybody does. One choice is to believe in something. The other is to believe in anything. Those are the only two deals. Is Jesus who he says he is? And will he do everything he promised to do? Or not? In full transparency with you, just so you don't think I'm selling you a bill of goods, Faith is required, but biblical faith is not the same as being gullible or or naive or irrational. Faith is a leap, but it's not a leap in the dark. Jesus doesn't call us to surrender our intellect so we can believe in myths and legends and fairy tales. The angel said to the two ladies, come and see, check this out, see that it's empty. What was dead is now living. In other words, There's just enough evidence to make faith possible, but not enough to make it mandatory. Everybody has to choose. Respectfully, you have to choose. God won't force himself on anybody. He won't force himself on how closely you follow what you believe. Faith is a choice, just as unbelief is a choice. 
do you know why faith is vital to all of this? It has to do with where we were last year. Faith is actually the antidote for the uncertain and the unknown, for fear and panic. The belief that God is who he says he is and he will do everything he's promised to do is the antidote to your fear and your panic. To my fear and my panic. If you believe in who Jesus says he is and what he said he would do, Jesus promises our sins are forgiven and God doesn't even recall them. Scripture says God throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. Another place it says he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. So God doesn't even remember. Your shame and your guilt, God will redeem because it is finished and use it for his good and his glory. That's the miracle of Easter. This is what Christians believe, but don't miss this final part of Easter. It's vital. Added to the miracle of Easter is Jesus' promise that he would send the Holy Spirit, ready, to live inside of each of you. I don't know. I, I hear you. I, it's like, that's freaky. I, I, I agree. I don't know what it means. Totally. It wasn't a close second. It wasn't like a knockoff Holy Spirit. But it's the exact same Spirit that takes up residence in us to heal us from the inside. Get this, Romans 8. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Which Spirit? Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Lives in you. <laughs> and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. There are two deals on the table. You believe in something or you will believe in anything. Let me be clear. If you're looking for a God who will take your problems away, that isn't Jesus. It will not work. I promise you, you will live in a moment of bliss, and the next day you'll get punched in the mouth. It'll happen. If you're looking for guaranteed protection from pandemics, disease, loss, emotional battles, relational trauma, or drama, that's not Jesus. It won't work. If you're looking for some religious code you can follow to make sure you and everybody you love will never hurt or experience pain. Don't buy this, Jesus. It won't work. But if you're looking to follow someone who laid down his life for you, that is this, Jesus. If you're looking for someone to live in you, with resurrection-type power that you will spend the rest of your days trying to understand. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Well, that, that is this Jesus. If you're looking for a promised companion to lead you through the next pandemic, that is this Jesus. If you're looking for someone to walk through the battle that you're facing right now, that... If you're looking for someone to heal what's broken inside of you or broken in your family or broken in your relationships, that's, 
That's this Jesus. If you're looking for someone to redeem what is dirty, that's, that's this Jesus. If you realize at this point in your life that following your own star doesn't work and you want to follow something else, that, that's this Jesus. Look to Easter. Because Jesus said that work is finished and that work's available to anybody who believes. There is this rattling in the tomb and a very cocky angel pops up. And resurrection power has now come to earth. And that same power is present now. And it is your choice. So let me help you mind down to a point of truth on all of this. As you look back on this past year, how many days have you lived in fear? How many thoughts have you had dominated by what might happen or tainted by fear even of what is unknown and uncertain? As you waited for the test, what ran through your mind when you faced a very real consequence of all of this? Was fear there? Followed by this question. How about faith in someone? Was that there? Was faith there? That is the life-changing question of Easter for me. Do you believe in Jesus? Or will you believe in anything? To me, that's the choice. It's the two deals. And we can push back on that. I get that. But Easter makes me come to a point of that decision. And what I want to do is kind of give you an opportunity to make that decision. So if you'll trust me, just bow your heads. I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to sing a song. So join me in this. So Lord, um, I pray for my friends in the room, first and foremost, who have never bent the knee to you. They have spent their lives chasing something, anything. They've been looking for love in all kinds of places and have the scars to show it. They have lived a life of fear and panic. And unfortunately, their self-centered fear and panic shut them down this past year. And they were not very active in faith. We were afraid, Lord. And... Maybe some need to bend the knee. Maybe others who are people of faith need to evaluate what kind of faith they have. Maybe what they realized was, man, this faith actually was more costume jewelry for me. When it was actually challenged, all I could think of was fear and panic, not faith. Maybe some of us are going to have this moment, and what we're going to do is quietly celebrate and thank you that you saw us steady through it. And our faith didn't just shrivel this year, it grew. Either way, Lord, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Help us to decide in this moment. Amen.